0: Hello, brothers and sisters. Welcome back to See the Sunrise. This is season three and episode 14. Seeing the Sunrise is about seeing Christ in everyday situations. It's in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 33, and verse 3, where the Lord speaks to the prophet while he's in prison. He says to him, Call to me, and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Seeing the sunrise is an opportunity to see what God is doing behind the scenes, as well as in the lives of everyday people like you and me. From the pulpit to the pew, we all have had various challenges and experiences that bring us to a need for Christ in our lives. Today, I want to talk about direction for your destination. Over the past several years, people have sought purpose And if you're pursuing your purpose, then you are actively working in it or walking towards it. And in order to get there, you need a course of action, something that will guide you or a set of instructions that will move you to it and help you to get there. I want to share a passage of scripture because for me, and I pray for you as well, the best guidance we can receive that is sure and true comes from the word of God. From the 73rd number of Psalms, I'd like to share a few verses with you. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They had no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They're not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. With arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven, and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how would God know? Does the most high know anything? This is what the wicked are like, always free of care. They go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been afflicted and every morning brings new punishments. If I had spoken spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand this, it deeply troubled me till I encountered and entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. Surely you placed them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. They are like a dream when one awakes. When you arise, Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you, yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward, you will take me into glory. You know, prior to Google Drive or Waze, in order to get directions when driving, people would pull out that paper map. You laid that map out, and that map would identify for you where you were, where you were at that moment and then you could locate the place you were going from there you would plot out a course and would take it and then when you plotted out that course it determines how you were going to get there and depending on how long it would take you would plot out the stops on the way today you can type your destination into your phone or car or some automated system and it will map the course out for you and even give you options these options or features that can be changed depending on the decisions you make to get there. Whether you want to travel the highway or to avoid the highways, you can indicate whether you want tolls or no tolls. You can identify where the rest areas are, etc. Don't you wish life could be mapped out like that? A map that showed you where danger lurked or which job to take, when to stop going for a, a map that Something that showed you or warned you of caution up ahead, a representation, a visual that showed you where you were walking and where you were stepping and telling you when you were going in the wrong direction. We all need direction. We need goals, something to look forward to. Without direction and without goals, there's no clear sense of purpose. It doesn't give meaning to life and we want meaning in life. When is the last time you ask yourself, what shall I do with my life? When have you asked yourself, when this life is over, when this is all gone and past, am I certain where I will go? Do I have clear directions and do I trust the directions I've been given? These are questions you should ask yourself, especially if you want clear direction for your life. Think about when you plan a trip or vacation. There are some things you consider, things like how long you're going to stay, the kind of trip you want, whether it's going to be relaxing or whether you're going to go sightseeing. You want to know what the climate's like because you want to know what to wear. You want to know how much it's going to cost. That's really important. And you want to prepare for emergencies just in case. And then you can ask yourself, will you do the planning or are you going to pursue a travel agent? That's just a few of the questions you might ask yourself when you're planning a trip. The same effort you put into one to two weeks of your life, more should be considered when you think about where you're going for the rest of your life. Let me ask you this, what are you doing with your life? And are you sure where you are going when this life is over? Do you know that heaven really is your home or do you question that? I know many people don't like to think about it, but it is a certainty, death is, that is. There was a singer by the name of Marvin Gaye in a song he wrote called Trouble Man. He says there's only three things that's for sure. Taxes, death, and trouble. I would somewhat agree with him. And if you've lived any length of time, you know those words are true. Some of you may be saying, it's kinda late now. I'm thinking about retiring and those thoughts have long passed me by. Well, no matter how old you are, you need direction. You need to have a purpose. There is more to life than going about everyday tasks. Everybody needs guidance to know where they're going. Otherwise, you're just walking about aimlessly. This psalmist, Asaph, had these questions and he found the answers, but he didn't find it using MapQuest or Waz or paper maps or whatever device you might use. He went to what he found to be the irrefutable, without question, indisputable, sure, and certain source was the, God, the Lord God himself. He consulted the one who had guided him and whom he was confident would continue to guide him throughout life, but not just the present life, but life after he'd reached his destination. The Lord would guide him not only through life, but also afterward when his work was done down here. He had full assurance. How did he develop it? And how can we have that same kind of assurance that he had? Did you know that you can have that same confidence, but first you have to consider what the psalmist did. The first thing he had to do was examine himself. Now, a lot of people don't like to look in the mirror, but every now and then you might want (laughs) to kind of like really look in the mirror, not just at your face, but entire self. Well, the psalmist, he examined himself. He took a hard look at himself, not just outside. He looked inside. He, he had to look back at his thoughts. He looked back at his feelings. And honestly, he wanted to understand what he felt and why he felt the way that he did. The second thing that he did, he had to consider the feelings that he had based on who he trusted and who he trusted was God and, he, and who he put his confidence in for direction. He came to the realization that it was God. It was in looking back that honest self-evaluation that he realized there that there was no assurance in himself, but the assurance he had can come from God and God alone. Have you ever heard the phrase to my own self be true? Accepting who you are is the first step in obtaining the assurance that the Lord guide you through life. Uh, accepting who you are is the first step in obtaining assurance that the Lord will guide you through your life you've got to take that really hard look at yourself accepting who you are and and understanding that even in no matter what you see that the lord still loves you the psalmist took a look back at his own thoughts and actions and he realized he was focusing too much on others instead of worrying about himself i don't know if ever you've seen that commercial with the little girl and the father's trying to get her in the car and he's trying to help her with the seatbelt and she she constantly pushes his hand away and say you worry about yourself you know we we focus so much on other people sometimes we need to worry about ourselves i'm sure that this psalmist wasn't alone that he wasn't the only one that looked at others instead of looking inside at themselves there are times in our flesh that you look at the wicked those who you know defy and go against the will of god and you know this by reading his word and how these People seem to just continually prosper. See, we we can't just, we can't look at them. We have to, we're so busy. When you're busy focusing on the faults of others, you tend to take your eye off yourself. God sees the wicked. We need to understand who we are. The psalmist didn't go easy on his assessment of who he was. If you look at verse 22 that I just read from um, the 73rd number of psalms, he said, I was senseless and ignorant I was a brute beast before you wow (laughs) he didn't mince words at all we have to face our faults and that's where to thine own self be true he was willing to do that he he had foolishly focused on everybody else and envied what they had and so when he focused on other people it was very difficult for him to see where he was going because he was too busy worried about where they were going in those first 12 verses in that psalm, he said, I, he said, he, as he looked at them, he said, I envied the arrogant. He said they don't have struggles. They're free from common burdens. Um, they don't seem to be plagued by human ills. They're prideful. They scoff their mouths, lay claim to heaven and tongues, they take possession of the earth. I mean, listen to what he's saying. He's so focused on them, he doesn't see anything that he's doing. So in other words, he's focusing on they, the other people. But then as he uh, begins to really think about what he's saying, in verses 13 through 17, he begins to focus on I. All of a sudden he takes his eye off everyone else and begins to look within himself and he said, surely in vain. I kept my heart pure and have washed my hands of innocence. He focuses on I, he goes on, he said, I have been afflicted. He said, I would have betrayed your children. He says, I, he said, but then he said, I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destination. You see, after you take your eye off of other, you can really, really look at yourself. It was after he examined himself, he finds resolution in God. Where he says, "You, so she says, "So you see that them. I need to see myself, and we know what you can do." He faced up to his own sins. It wasn't until he went into the sanctuary of God that he did. That's where he gained perspective on what he thought uh, things should be or his own issues, a perspective that he didn't have before. He was so focused on the present that he forgot that there is an eternal destiny for all. And we, too, can gain knowledge from that. And when we think about it, in the beginning where he focuses on they, and then he begins to see I, and then he begins to see you, you being God Almighty. In verses 16 through 16, he says he faced up to his own sins. It wasn't until he went into the sanctuary of God. See, sometimes people uh, diminish the need to go to church. And I don't mean necessarily going into a building. But when I think of the church, I think of that body of believers who believe fervently and uncompromisingly in the word of God and the power of God. When he went into that sanctuary, that place where God abided, he gained perspective. And it was a perspective he didn't have initially. He was so focused on the present that he forgot that there is an eternal destiny for all of us. And so as he looks at that, he said, I look to God and that's where we, that's where you need to go when things aren't clear. When you feel like you're, you followed the directions that God has given, but you haven't got where you're going, you might be looking from the wrong lens or the wrong perspective. I remember seeing a little cartoon kind of thing and it had the number six on written on the ground. One was on the right side of it at the top of it and one was on the left side of it at the top of it. And so they were asked, what do you see? Well, one of them said, well, I see the number six and the other one says, I see the number nine. See, it's all in how you look at it. And if you're looking at things with a godly eye, you will see you don't have to worry about those who look like they're winning. You need only look to the one who judges all and rules all. We need to be open to hearing from others, but ultimately we need to be open to hearing from God In looking to God. That is when you will see your need for him. We all know that we are sinners. That's the word. He said, we're all sinners in need of salvation. The psalmist was looking at the prosperity of the wicked. Prosperity doesn't really mean anything because we're all perishing. Facing our sins produces repentance and faith. It's important for us to show gratitude for God's guidance. And God was guiding the psalmist throughout as he as he was writing and as he did that introspection and as he began to look at it and really look at it with the right lens, he was able to demonstrate gratitude. Asaph said he was senseless and ignorant, a brute beast before him. But he recognized God was never going to leave him even when he acted so inappropriately and not according to the will of God, because he says, yet I am always with you. Who is you? God is always with you. He said, you hold me by my right hand. There's something to be said when God is with you. Okay. Let me say it so that you have something to shout about or praise God about. Do any of you remember when you went on your first date Or maybe the date you had with the one you just knew that that person was the one I remember. Ladies, let's think about you first. When a guy holds your hand on the first date, it signifies that he's comfortable with physical touch. It tells you that he is a confident person and he's not afraid of showing his affection. He is communicating that he is into you and would love to go out with you again. That's pretty cool, isn't it? And you think about it, if a girl grabs a guy's hand, usually, and she pulls him along like she wants to really show you something cool, it means she really wants to hold hands with you. And when you, whenever you get to your destination, simply, just simply keep holding her hand to show her that you like her. So guys, if a girl grabs your hand, we're saying she wants to hold your hand and she wants to... Uh, show you that, you know, she likes you. And if you keep holding her hand, that demonstrates you like her. She might say something like, whoa, did you see that? Let me show you before she grabs your hand. Now, guys, when you hold hands in public, if a man is holding your hand in public, ladies, it straightaway means that he's into you and he wants to be your partner. It's more like a strong communication of, of some intense feelings when someone holds your hand. It's a reassurance of safety, more like, I got you, don't worry. Uh, and so we, when you think of God holding uh, Asaph's hand, he, said, he says, I'm always with you. You hold me. God is reaching out and grabbing his hand. And he's saying, you hold me by your right hand. When someone holds your hand, they're inviting you into a deeper relationship with them. That flutter of emotions that built when you were getting to know each other and Then one day they reached out for your hand and you know there was a deeper sense of intimacy and relationship that was developing. The psalmist acknowledged even though he was ignorant, lacking knowledge or uneducated, unsophisticated, a brute, animalistic beast, monster, God still wanted a relationship. God reached out and had his hand. He was focusing on the wrong thing. The presence of God is greater than the pleasures of the world. When you trust God, you are never alone. He's continually with He's continually with you. He's guiding you if you would just listen to him. God will never let go of your hand, even if you're ignorant. His word tells us he will never leave us nor forsake us. When you have Christ, you have someone who's always by your side. You want him so close that as he's holding your hand, he's saying, come here, I want to show you something. That's what happens when Jesus is holding your hands. There's a relationship that is intimate. It's known. It's closed. It's familiar. It's a way of communicating without saying a word. That's the kind of relationship you should want with the Lord. A relationship where you are confident that wherever he's leading you, that's good direction. That truly is a purpose you want to follow. But you don't want to stop with just holding God's hand. You want to get to know him in a real public Formal way. See, when someone's holding your hand in public, you want the world to know in a way that you, you want the world to know that he's with you and you're with him in a way that you think about him all day long. That's the kind of relationship you want where that formal way. He's right there. You go to bed with him on your mind. You get up in the morning, wanting to talk to him and just to hear his voice. Handholding is just the beginning. You want to get to that place where you want him to be in. You want, you want him to be into you and you into him. That Holy Spirit presence that quickens you when you hear his name. Remember that, that, that loved one, that one you fell in love with, and every time you heard their name, people look at you and say, oh, you've been with Jesus. Oh, Jesus. The Beatles had a song years ago. Some of you may or may not know who the Beatles were. Look it up. They were very, very popular. In that song, it says, when I touch you, I feel happy inside. It's such a feeling that my love, I can't hide. I pray that you want God to hold your hand, that you want to feel that happiness inside, that it's a feeling that cannot be hidden, but one that you want all the world to know that they too can have a relationship with him as well. I pray that people look at you and say, oh, you've been with Jesus, I see. That's purpose, that's direction. When he's with you, when he's got your hand, he's leading you, he's guiding you, but not just here in this present age, but all the way to glory. Brothers and sisters, I pray that you desire and long for that direction for your destination. As God holds your hand, walking you into that place where he has always purposed you to be. Until next time, blessed be his holy name. God bless you all and be sure to see the sunrise, to see the S-O-N rise, to see Christ in your everyday situations.